Well, good morning. Glad we could be gathered together. Yes, good morning. Excited. Wish everybody was that excited about church on Sunday morning. So my name is Matt Clovedall. Um, I'm excited to be here this morning. And on a weekend where we're celebrating Thanksgiving, I know many of us, it was a very different Thanksgiving. But I'm coming this morning very thankful for the opportunity to be here and to be given the opportunity to introduce our series of Advent. Um, my family and I, we've only been here for three years, um, but as many of you know, it's been a lifetime for me. Um, grew up here, we're married here, and, uh, and the church means a lot, and you as a family mean a lot, so it's a great opportunity for me to be here, and I'm thankful for this chance. Um, like I said, we moved three years ago from Yakima. Um, the church here was very fortunate. Um, we were very fortunate to partner with you as a church in doing some church planning in Yakima. And when our time came to an end there, uh, there was no better place for us to land than right here at Centralia Community Church of God. And we're excited to be here. Um, I've been a teacher for a few years now and been working over at WFS High School. And uh, the, I guess the best way to introduce myself to you is that um, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a husband. I'm a father of four. Um, I'm a leader, I'm a teacher, I'm an advocate for those that have disabilities, and uh, most importantly, um, I love just being here and uh, being a part of this community. So Pastor Mark a couple weeks ago asked me if I would come and uh, give the message and introduce our series on Advent, and I was super excited because Advent is uh, really important, not only to myself, but to our family. Uh, we've enjoyed celebrating Advent over the last probably 10 years where we have been diving into what does it mean to celebrate Advent. And, and it really came home uh, when we were in Yakima where we began to really dig into the church calendar and look at what does the greater church calendar look like? Advent is a part of that church calendar, but it's where we, we read through Scripture with the themes of Advent and Christmas and things like Epiphany and Lent and Easter and Pentecost. And for many of us, those are ideas or themes that we're not very familiar with. And it was exciting when we were in Yakima to dive in to this reading cycle of um, a modified lectionary, which is kind of the church calendar and it has some preset like scriptures that we would go through. And we talked about creation and about what God intended uh, in our, his creating of the world and uh, in humanity. We talked about the fall and about how sin has destroyed what God originally intended for us to experience. And then we would talk about redemption and Easter and how God redeemed us from our sin. And ultimately, we talked about restoration and about how God has called us to be a part of his work in restoring what was originally intended. And so all of that is wrapped up into this idea of this church calendar, and we get the privilege of entering into that calendar now at Advent and joining with millions of other believers around the world, all reading 
many of the same scriptures, all focused on the same themes and ideas. And so my challenge is if you've never had a chance to read through um, or looked at or studied the lectionary or understand the church calendar, I'd encourage you to dive in uh, to that. The, the church staff here has encouraged us to be reading the Moravian text, and that's an example of, of reading through the church calendar and being able to uh, receive what God has for us based on the season that we're in. And there's really, in my mind, no better way to start that than right now with the Advent. And so um, this series is going to be an exciting one. Um, we get to start off really just introducing what is Advent and talking about the thrill of hope. And why do we have hope? In this message series that you'll be um, hearing about, we're going to be hearing two common things. One is this idea of celebration. Advent is something that has happened. Jesus arrived, living and breathing, and walking among us. It is why we celebrate Christmas, and why Christmas is so important to the Christian world. But there's another part of Advent, and this part is anticipation. So Advent is something that really happened, but Advent will happen again. As Christians, we believe that Jesus is coming back. We believe in the already, but not yet, of Jesus' kingdom. We live in a kingdom initiated, but not yet fulfilled. And we give voice and join with those brothers and sisters who are longing for this. We give voice to the prayers of our own, looking expectantly for Jesus' return. You see, for Christians, Christmas is really less sentimental than we might think. While our culture is caught up in the hype of Christmas and Santa Claus, we know that there is more to it than just giving presents and gathering with family and spending money. These things are important, but only hint at the greater meaning behind the traditions we observe. Advent allows us to be honest with what's wrong with our world and to freely celebrate Christmas as good news. Jesus has come as a king, and King Jesus will come again. So over the next four weeks, the course of this Advent season, we will focus on four themes. Amaya introduced them already to us. We'll be talking about hope, peace, joy, and love, all leading up to the celebration of the first Advent, which is Christmas. So let's pray together this morning. God, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for the opportunity to come and be with you. God, we pray that we would feel your presence, that you would speak to us, that we, you would use this time, God, to challenge us, that we might follow you more closely and more intimately through this time. We love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. So this morning we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles and you want to open up, you can look at that. Now I do want to warn you, this is not a traditional Christmas message. So if you've come looking for that, you might be a little disappointed. Um, and I want to just, as you're turning and getting ready into Mark 13, I want to give a little bit of a context to what is going on. 
uh, in the chapters just before uh, Mark chapter uh, 13. So Jerusalem is swelling with people traveling to the city from all over Israel. Jesus is in Jerusalem preparing to celebrate the Passover with millions of other Jews as they come uh, into the, really, it's um, it's the culmination of their year, celebrating the Passover. Jesus is at the temple teaching his uh, disciples. Uh, Around the temple, there's a huge courtyard uh, that has covered areas where teachers and rabbis would come and they would teach their followers all different types of things. And Jesus is there with his closest disciples, but also with all these other followers, people that are coming to hear from Jesus. The last three years, Jesus' popularity has been growing. He's becoming more and more wide known. And people are coming to hear what he has to say. His followers are hearing Jesus teach about the kingdom of God. And Jesus' followers really believe that they are marching towards the fulfillment of that kingdom and that Jesus is soon to be crowned king. If we look back in Mark 11, we see that Jesus has entered Jerusalem to great fanfare, to the triumphal entry, with images of kingship. People are laying down their cloaks in front of him. He's on a, a donkey. People are waving palm branches. And they really believe that Jesus is going to be fulfilling the role of the Messiah that they've been longing for, that they've been anticipating, and now they are celebrating. During this chapter, we're going to see that Jesus is helping his followers, trying to help them understand that as much as that they're celebrating the kingdom of God being ushered in, the kingdom they are anticipating was going to be different and delayed. At the beginning of Mark chapter 13, Jesus begins to prophesy and tell his followers about things that were going to happen, both immediately in their life that they might experience, but also things that would come when he would be returning the second time. Jesus is teaching the crowd of followers, yearning to hear and to see the teacher who has gained so much popularity. They leave the temple. The disciples are marveling. They're looking around at the temple grounds and at the city around them. And they're like, Jesus, look at this amazing temple. Look at all of these stones as they're stacked up on top of each other. And Jesus reveals to them that these very stones were going to be torn down. And we know that by looking back in history, that the prophecy that Jesus is talking about is the destruction of the temple in AD 70. The disciples don't really understand what Jesus is talking about at the time. For them, it it just was not even in the realm of their possibilities that anything different from what they think could happen would happen. So Jesus takes his followers and his closest disciples to a very familiar place to the Mount of Olives. And he continues his teaching to his closest disciples. And this is where we pick up the story in Mark 13, starting in verse 24 through 37. 
It says, but in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become a, becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you will know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the angel crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Jesus is trying to prepare his followers for a very different reality from what they believe is going to unfold. And there's a few things that really stand out to me as we look at this passage. And the first one is this. In verse 26, we see that Jesus is returning. Jesus' followers are celebrating a political manifestation of the Messiah coming to throw off the rule of the Romans and to once again establish Israel as a free nation. They weren't looking for their Messiah to be leaving anytime soon. We know looking back that their celebration would be ending shortly. The kingdom Jesus' followers were anticipating was going to be very different from what they expected. We can take comfort from the words of Jesus and know that we can celebrate the coming of Jesus in the first advent as he ushered in the kingdom of God all the while anticipating the fulfillment of that kingdom when Jesus returns. In verse 26, Jesus foretells of a time when he would return not as an infant as in the first advent, but in power and glory of a returning king in the second advent. In the book of Acts chapter 1, when Jesus ascends into heaven after his death and resurrection, the angels are there with Jesus' disciples and reassure them that he would be coming back and he'd be coming back the same way that he was taken up. The first advent, we celebrate an infant's birth. The second advent, we anticipate a king's return. The second thing that's jumped out to me in this passage 
is that we don't know when Jesus is coming. In verse 32, uh, it says that the angels who foretold Jesus' first coming don't know the time the king returns. Jesus himself doesn't know when he will return. But it says that the Father knows. The purpose of Jesus' prophecy about his return was not meant to be a distraction. A roadmap for the future would only be a hindrance and not a help to our faith. Certain signs have been given, but not for the purpose of making predictions. Whether it is in the book of Romans, or in Galatians, or Hebrews, or elsewhere in the New Testament, we are called as followers of Jesus to live by faith. The message of Jesus' prophecy and other messages of prophecy are that God the Father is in control. No matter how difficult or how scary the future may seem to us, we know that God the Father is in control and that Jesus will return in power and glory. Not knowing the time of the king's return helps us to live with the anticipation of that very moment. The third thing that I saw in this passage that really jumped out to me was just this idea of keeping watch. Jesus finished the passage with a parable to help drive home the importance of his message. Jesus' followers, the ones he would leave to continue building the kingdom of God when the king was away, were to do so with vigilance. Each was given a role or a task to be committed to and then to watch for the return. Just as Jesus' first followers were given the job of building the kingdom, we too are given the task of fulfilling the roles that we have been given in order to see God's kingdom advance. We are called to vigilance, to stay alert, to stay awake. Why does the first Sunday of Advent have the theme of hope? The fact that Jesus is coming means that the story of Jesus' death and resurrection isn't the end. The fact that we live in this tension of a kingdom initiated but not fulfilled means that more is to come, and we should be expecting more. What we have isn't a finished product. Whether in this world, in ourselves, God continues to be at work in us, and through us. And because God is at work, we have hope, and so does the world. There are three areas that I really feel like we have hope. The first one is that we have hope for personal wholeness. Over the last few weeks, Pastor Mark and the staff have unpacked the importance of allowing God to be at work in our life. When we look at our whole selves, the spiritual, the relational, the emotional, the physical. God wants the best for you and for I. We can celebrate what God has done for us and anticipate what God will continue to do in us as we commit ourselves to a community of believers, of followers of Jesus, and as we give ourselves to the work of the power of the Holy Spirit in us. 
The second area that we can have hope today is for a better one, that we can have a better today. I don't know if you've noticed, but the world is not a very happy place right now. Even in the midst of this holiday season, it isn't difficult to find people who are struggling. Struggling for meaning, struggling to find peace, to find joy, to find love, to find hope. Jesus' parable of the servant working while the master was away demonstrates the importance of working together as a community of believers. We each have our own role to play. And together, we prepare for the master's return. Each of us is called to live out the kingdom, to see it expand by fulfilling the roles that God has given us to. We can do this by living out the Advent season throughout the entire year, living this idea of a life of celebration and anticipation. And that is exactly what the world needs. It's exactly what the world is looking for. The third area is the idea of hope for the eternal future. With the knowledge that Jesus is coming, we have hope for a future that goes beyond this life. As much as we celebrate this life, we also know that we also know that in the end, we can anticipate a life with Jesus and those that follow him not just for today, but for an eternity. We have hope that we will be reunited with those we have lost to sickness and death. And when we are at the end of our lives, we know that we will again see those that we leave behind. I get really excited about Advent. The Advent season, for all that we can learn for the posture of both celebrating what God has done and the living with the anticipation of what he will do when he returns. This is the essence of Jesus' message about the kingdom. We live in the already, but not yet, of Jesus' kingdom. We can experience so much of the kingdom in our community of faith if we allow ourselves to embrace Jesus' teaching and are obedient to the call to live those teachings out in our everyday lives. We give voice to the kingdom come prayers of our own, looking expectantly for Jesus' return. This is hope. And we have the hope that the world so desperately needs. So what are we to do with this? What are we to do with this message of hope and the season of Advent? The first step is, in order to fully celebrate the first Advent and to anticipate the second Advent is you have to be committed to following Jesus. And if you aren't, if you haven't started that relationship with him, this is the time to do that. There's no better time than during the Christmas season to enter into a relationship with him and allow him to be at work in your life and be committed to his teachings. If you are already a committed follower of Jesus, Start today to grow in your faith by engaging in this Advent season. Pastor Mark talked about the devotional that the church has for us to go through and to follow weekly readings. And it goes through each of the themes that we'll be talking about on Sundays. It's a powerful time to engage with God in your own spiritual growth. To change the way we look at this season. 
And if you're already participating and you're growing in your faith and you do those daily readings, the challenge for us is that we are to grab those around us, to invite others to join in and experience the celebration and the anticipation of Advent, to share what you've learned and what you know about this season to the world around us. God wants to use us in powerful ways. God wants to use these seasons that he has for us in order to help us better understand what he wants for us and how we are to then live that out each and every day. And that's our challenge, to live and to celebrate, but then also to anticipate his coming. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning and we thank you for the challenge, God, for the hope that you give us because you are returning. But God, we also live with a great sense of responsibility knowing that you, God, are calling us to share that hope with the world around us. So God, I pray that you would give us the opportunity, that you would give us those moments that you would allow us to be aware of where you are presenting opportunities and that where you are changing hearts and opening minds. God, lead and guide us in these weeks to come. And may we live and celebrate and anticipate your coming.